Phoenix Overlook Pop Culture. All right. Um, this has been a long time coming. Um, welcome back, Stephen Kelly. Hey, everybody. <laughs> My goodness, it's been a while. You, you are now a part of other podcasts too, right? Because I've been kind of following off and on Triangle Face. Well, we I have a couple things that we that I've worked on a little bit, but it's that's just all pretty much my stuff. I just haven't uh, I haven't had a lot of time to work on it lately. My work's pretty hectic, so I've got like my own website. I've got some stuff I was trying to do for it like that. I'm behind on the, uh, it's been on a little bit of a hiatus for a couple months. And Triangle Face, I moved up here a year ago, so that kind of made it hard to work on that. But you know, I play around with it every every once in a while, but work comes first so <laughs> that's that's understandable i last time we spoke i was um i was all the way like about 25 to 30 minutes away from here too so yeah and 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 on on a dsl connection which um i am no longer doing business with them since i have access to higher speeds now so that's that's good yeah and Today, um, figured that it would be kind of appropriate to have you come back on to talk about, uh, you know, somebody that um, uh, truly symbolized the melting pot aspect of this country and to talk about one of our favorite subjects at the same time, pro wrestling. Um, For those who haven't, yes, yes. (laughs) For those of you who haven't, uh, well, who haven't noticed yet, though, Actually, I I doubt you haven't noticed, but earlier this month we had a you know one of the oldest, most active actors pass away, um, and then shortly after that, um, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, passed away as well, and it kind of took everybody by surprise. It was kind of a one-two punch. And I'm a horrible person for saying this. I don't quite remember the actor's name off the top of my head. Lee. Yeah, I'm 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 horrible and bad. Uh, feel free <laughs> to flame me later, but um, it was just that one-two punch that kind of shocked people and took them by yeah. surprise. Though though it shouldn't have. Um, uh, Lee passed away. Um, due to very, very old age. So did Dusty Rhodes, though. I, I would submit that for much more, many more years of his life, he did things that tore up his body than anything else. He was so, pretty overweight the entire time, too. So, I mean... And he was still athletic when, yeah. when he was... And, and that's... Um, that's what happens when that's this, you know, that's one of the trade-offs for being a big guy who can do what you can do. You yeah. know, it's, it is what it is. But the one, one thing I, I, I remember seeing him vaguely seeing him growing up watching, you know, some wrestling on, you know, Saturdays and it was all, it was always, the only matches I would see would be on, you know, broadcast TV. I lived out in the country and I would always see, you know, the 
basically the jobbers getting, you know, <laughs> getting beat up and everything else because, because, you know, the big matches were for pay-per-views back then. And, you know, we, we would never have access to pay-per-views because, you know, we didn't have access to cable. Satellite was out of the question because, you know, that, that was starting to get, ex- that was expensive and extravagant and all that good stuff. So, but the one thing I remember about when I first saw him was the polka dots and, <laughs> and, and everything else. Um, but what are your first memories of him? Well, when I was younger, I watched wrestling in the very early 80s, and that was primarily WWF at the time. And so I actually didn't watch wrestling for a number of years, so I missed Dusty Rhodes' entire span of being in WWF. And, you know, I didn't, when I was a little kid, I didn't keep up with it. And when I was, um, you know, up until the, but right before the attitude era, like at the end of the new generation era is when I got back into it. Um, I learned about him through his son because, uh, Dustin, uh, Reynolds was on there. Um, I believe in 95 and his over the top character, they would, con- they would reference his father and show clips and stuff. And that's kind of where I got into it. And it wasn't until, you know, I was able to get on and watch old videos from other federations he was in and stuff like that, that, you know, at the time too, he was a color commentator for WCW and WCW was actually my favorite of the two federations. And I always enjoyed him on color commentary. So I think my first real good memories of Dusty Rhodes was watching things like Starcade 97 and him doing the color commentary during it. Yeah, I... I um he 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 he's bounced back and forth um like i said i barely remembered him um in the polka dots and everything else and yeah that was like 89 to 90 so that was it was just a small period there but um you know according to uh one documentary on the wwe network he somehow made it work um Mm -hmm. and you know you and i definitely remember it to this day but um even people like a lot of people now nowadays comment on how when you think pro wrestling you think hulk hogan but depending on who you ask you dusty Rhodes' name will also pop up too um Mm -hmm. one of my supervisors at my retail job um she had a friend who went to college who personally knew Dusty Rhodes. I think they were a relative or something like that. Oh, nice. And so she would, you know, that's how she would recognize him on television and everything else. So I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty nifty. Um, he, he was kind of a one of a kind person, kind of different from a lot of other people. And when he passed away, one of the things that was, you know, shared on my timeline was uh, somebody saying I wasn't a huge pro wrestling fan, but, and going through the whole spiel about, you know, uh, how somebody was suffering from, you know, cancer and everything else, you know, going through rounds of chemo treatment, 
And I actually pasted it into our show notes here that we were setting up for the show. And somebody going by the name of Homer Shadowheart, um, he posted this on June 11th. And here's what they had to say. I'm not a fan of pro wrestling, but when my sister Jeannie was in remission from leukemia, we went to Las Vegas. She was still bald and very thin, was a huge fan of the WWF. I guess some big event was in Vegas at that time as there were WWF stars all over the place. She and I were eating at a restaurant at a hotel. Jeannie looks over and sees like eight of these guys sitting there eating. He said, oh, my God, I would love to go get their autographs, but I just can't do that. I look awful. I grabbed a handful of napkins, walked toward the table where the wrestlers were eating. I know it was rude, but Jeannie was my best friend, so it was going to be rude. As I was walking, I ran into Barry Wyndham, who was also walking toward the table. I said, I'm sorry to bother you, but my sister over there would love to get your autograph. She just went into remission from leukemia and thinks she looks awful. Wyndham then said, fuck you, I'm eating, go away. I turned to walk away, and when I did, I hear a voice say, hey, man, what, do you, what did you need? I turned around, it was Dusty Rhodes. So I walked over and told him what I had asked for. He dug in a duffel bag. He had pulled out a WrestleMania shirt and a Sharpie. He looked around the table and said, we are all going to sign this shirt. He looked at Wyndham, who had sat down by now, and said, if you have a problem with that, I'll hurt you bad, boy. The shirt was signed by all Dusty had is for Janie's name when he signed it. I thanked him and apologized for interrupting their meal. As I walked away, I could feel someone behind me when I got back to Janie. She was crying as I gave her the shirt. Then I heard someone say, excuse me. It was Dusty Rhodes. He leaned down, kissed Janie's cheek and said, you look great, hon, and you are my hero. That was the highlight of our trip. Janie died roughly a year later. I don't know anything about Dusty Rhodes as a wrestler, but I know he was a good human being, and I'm always sad when good human beings die. R.I.P. Dusty. It's awesome story. Um, yeah, um, I think I think reason why you know all of, I was you know going through some stuff online, and you know I found a clip of of Wyndham kind of disagreeing with Dusty's booking decisions or booking style, or they just had a different thing. And um, have they always had issues with each other? No, I know Dusty had a lot of enemies back then. I mean, anytime that you're going to be, that you're the promoter for a, a federation, you're going to rub people the wrong way. And that, you know, I don't know exactly when that, took place or anything, but he very well could have, you know, been pretty high up into something at that point. So knowing it was, he had a WrestleMania shirt. I don't know. That was probably in the early nineties, but uh, cause that person doesn't have a date on there. Do they, but D- dusty had a lot of power either way. And he, I mean, he was the head booker for WCW for quite a while. And, you know, after flair left. So, I mean, he he had a lot of power and I wouldn't be surprised if people begrudgingly went along with what he said and they may not have liked it. So. Right. And, and that, that's why I um, thought about it and go, well, he, he was decorated career, but not always without controversy. Um, and 
you know, I know it's kind of late into the game, but you know, he was billed as six foot foot two, 275 pounds from Austin, Texas. And of course the bionic elbow was his, uh, was his signature move. Um, at least he was three-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Um, he had um, World Tag Team Championship reigns, including a six-man tag team championship, numerous TV title reigns and U.S. title reigns. And I think that's, you know, there was, other than local groups, um, he never really got any major championships beyond that. Yeah. Which, which I find kind of sad. Well, and, point. Yeah, at the time, you have to remember, though, the NWA title was, you know, the be-all, end-all for a long, long time. And Central States yeah. Wrestling, he started out actually where, around where we are, um, and he was actually the Central States Wrestling Champion for a while, and that was Kansas City, uh, you know, that was their main federation, pretty much, this area. Right. So, but like you know, Vince McMahon never, never said, "Hey, let's give you a oh, run." Yeah. It, it was just like, as a, as if to say, "Okay, you may have been really big over here and over here, but you're just another guy here." Yeah. Well, and McMahon also has he's kind of lends himself towards wanting big muscle guys to be the champion. He's he has a set you know, a set look that he goes with for world champions. Usually it's, you know, that has started to falter in the few few years, but for the longest time he would go for someone with, you know, a great physique over someone that could wrestle or, you know, and, you know, very few and far between would someone like Mick Foley, you know, get the title or something like that. Where 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 it would get ratings and for sure and things like that. <clears throat> yeah. And and I think one of the things that uh, Rhodes basically said is, if you're not in this to win the world championship, why are you in this business? And I think that inspired people like Diamond Dallas Page to keep striving for for the big belt and mm-hmm. everything else. So. But, um, like, I think some um, individual wrote for the Huffington Post that he bridged the racial divide. Uh, Phil Perrier, um, stand-up comedian, talked about how, you know, basic, and, and this is this is really cool, by the way, because apparently Muhammad Ali was influenced by pro wrestling. Muhammad Ali was influenced by a guy named Gorgeous George. Oh, go mm-hmm. away, you freaking ad. I hate you. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and in turn, Ali influenced Dusty Rhodes. Because um, I think one of the things Gorgeous George basically said is, you know, something along the lines of, you know, people practically paying you just to shut up. <laughs> you know, you know the, outra- the flamboyancy, the outrageousness of things that you say, and that sort of thing, and and I think Rhodes, you know, uh, adopted that. Um, so I'm like, I'm like, that's 
was really cool. And another cool thing that he did was, and I think this is the one thing that really got got people behind him, was his hard time speech. Um, and I'm assuming you you read it. It was like Starcade '85. Mm-hmm. It was going to be him, him and Flair for the t- world title. Um, and I'm assuming Flair and his faction put him out of action storyline wise for quite a while. Well, if I if I recall, and I could be wrong with the lead up, but I know during their larger feuds, you know, the Four Horsemen, quote unquote, broke Dusty's arm and stuff like that. So I mean that they messed him up for quite a while in storylines and everything. And for him to, you know, come back after that was pretty crazy. Um, yeah. And it was, it was the one thing that when he did this speech, um, you know, you know, people at first seemed indifferent and then all of a sudden he goes into the whole spiel and they're like, yeah, and they're getting behind him. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to do the whole mimicking of him because I would butcher it. But he, <laughs> in his hard time speech, he says, first of all, I would like to thank the many, many fans who are throughout this country that wrote cards and letters to Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, while it was down. Secondly, I want to thank Jim Crockett Promotions for waiting and taking the time because I know how important it was. Starcade 85, it is to the wrestling fans. It is to Jim Crockett Promotions and Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. With that weight, I got what I wanted. Ric Flair, the world's heavyweight champion. I don't have to say a whole lot more about the way I feel about Ric Flair. No respect, no honor. There's no honor amongst the thieves in this place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They get four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them to go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job for 30 years, 30 years, and they give him watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, Daddy. That's hard times. That's hard times. And Ric Flair, you put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard times. And we all had hard times together. And I admit, I don't look like the athlete of the day. Supposed to look. My belly's just a little big. My honey's a little big. But brother, I'm, I am bad, and they know I'm bad. There were two bad people. One was John Wayne, and he's dead, brother. And the other is right here. Nature boy Ric Flair, the world's heavyweight title, belongs to these people. I'm going to reach out right now. <laughs> I want you at home to know my hand is touching your hand for the gathering of the biggest body of people in this country, in this universe, all over the world, reaching out because of the love that was given me. And this time, I will repay you now because I will be the next world's heavyweight champion on this hard time blues. Dusty Rhodes Tour 85. And Ric Flair and your boy, let me leave you with this. One way to hurt Ric Flair is to take what he cherishes more than anything in the world, and that's the world's heavyweight title. I'm going to take it. I've been there twice. This time when I take it, Daddy, I'm going to take it for you. Let's gather for it. Don't let me down now because I came back for you. For that man upstairs that died 10, 12 years ago and never got to the opportunity to see a real world's champion, and I'm proud of you. Thank God I have you, and I love you. I love you. And and that that's I think that's when he took off right after 
really took off because everybody because yeah. um, people were thanking him for you know talking about the plight of of you know people being out of work and things like that. Eighties well, was that, pretty that sort of character always you know resonates. You look at Stone Cold Steve Austin the the everyman character is someone that you know. You can have your your characters in, in wrestling that are like the millionaires, you know, stuff like that. But you get the guy that's down on the ground level and with the people and everything, and they're going to get over more than anything. And Rhodes was oh. basically like the stone cold of his day with that, you know, not not the same character whatsoever. But he was he wasn't the over the top comic book, you know, muscled physique Greek god type character. He was just a dude whose dad was a plumber, and he just happened to go out there and kick ass for a living you know yeah um your favorite matches with the guy well that uh that starcade or uh that 85 match is really good really my favorite matches of his if you can go and find them are uh he did a series of matches in the late 70s and early 80s with Harley Race, and those are really good. But I'm also a big fan of Harley Race, so watching those two wrestle, that was like one of his first big feuds, and that was really interesting to watch. Um, and I, th- I think he was – he also kind of, you know, mirrored Hogan to a point – or Hogan maybe mirrored him, I don't know which, at this point, where he was like – the a hero for a long time, and then that whole NWO storyline. All of a sudden, he joins the NWO. Yeah, I don't know if it made sense to do that or not, but well, they um, just uh, the whole original premise of the NWO was that it was a WWF invasion of WCW, pretty much. So anyone that was there that was formerly WWF eventually joined the NWO. You had. You know, it was revealed that Ted DiBiase and he was the the founder or the uh, the funding of it, and Virgil came in as the head of security, and then you also had, you know, anyone that in any way was originally aligned basically jumped ship onto it. So then it got out of hand when everyone in the entire roster was a member of the NWO. There was three different NWO factions and <laughs> everything, but and Rhodes wasn't in there for very long either. He was. He kind of backed off to where he was, you know, he was still still a, like a heel commentator. But by the time when Bobby Heenan really took off on there, he kind of played the middle ground a little bit and mellowed it out just slightly. <laughs> well, like he and and it was you know kind of rare for Heenan to kind of get over as a color commentator. It was just like. You know, because most of the time he was comic relief commentator, villain type of person, and then yeah. that happens, and then the roles kind of get switched, and it's kind of weird. But, but what what kind of struck me was Rhodes was involved in the industry pretty much until his death. Oh yeah, like I mean, he could, NXT was kind of his baby. It seems like him and Triple H, and. And, you know, people were commenting on how, you know, a meeting in his office, he would light a candle, put his feet on the desk and, and just paint a canvas of his quote unquote vision, next vision of sorts. And boom, it, there you go. It was 
it was kind of interesting, kind of weird and everything else. Um, but I, I will say that if it weren't for him, you wouldn't have what's now called the classic dusty finish where, <laughs> where, where if I'm not mistaken, that match between Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens was kind of a tribute to that, to a point. There was a where, couple of dusty finishes at the last pay-per-view uh, what a dusty finish, because some people misapply it to something that it isn't. People sometimes will say that a dusty finish is whenever someone gets, uh, like, run-ins start happening. But what what a, what a dusty finish literally is, and this happened with the, the Dean Ambrose-Seth Rollins match a couple pay-per-views ago, where the face basically wins the title, but due, due to something that the heel does or something to that effect, it gets reversed. So, uh, like you'll have situations where I recall there was a few times where like sting would seemingly win the title from someone. And then you'll find out that Hogan had a weapon. So they'll throw the match out completely and Hogan retains stuff like that. Yeah. So it, it gives the audience, you know, the audience is all excited and then they just take it away from them. I <laughs> <laughs> meant, you know, more along the lines where it's just not, not a conclusive real, real finish. Um, yeah. So, so th- because like that that match wasn't a conclusive finish, you know. I I'm probably wrong on that one, so that's all no. right. Well, no, I mean, and it it people use it sometimes as a pejorative because they'll there's a lot of times where wrestling federations will have like wrong long runs where like constantly you'll be having you know things happen where. The NWO is a prime example. When they started out, there was a time where every single match almost had the NWO running out and messing up the match or something. And that was kind of people were like, oh, there's Dusty. Dusty's doing his normal stuff, you know? Because <laughs> it's like, you know, I, the, one of the hallmarks of that is it, it, it's not a definitive conclusion. Things are kind of up in the air um, and things like that. And I kind of noticed that with Joe and Owens where it referee tries to get it back in the ring. Mm -hmm. They don't get it back in the ring. The match is thrown out. Double cam. They're still fine. Yep. Where it's just, this isn't over yet. Um, They're going to meet again, probably something like that. But yeah, I, I did notice that with Ambrose and Rollins where, where Rollins, you know, pulls the referee over, um, in the harm's way, a new referee comes out, but Ambrose wins by disqualification yeah. <laughs> and, and left that up in the air. And I'm like, oh man, because <laughs> uh, I was like, wait, he won. I, I was like, wait, wait, there's a punchline somewhere. Yeah. You could tell <laughs> that, like, that, that it wasn't the time for that. You could just tell that that wasn't going to last very long. I was like, wait a minute. I'm waiting for it. Yep. <laughs> he's still going to retain. That happened um, to uh, Brian Kendrick, I think. He won the title for like two seconds, and then it got <laughs> it got reversed on him, I think. Give her who he's wrestling, but something weird like that went down. <laughs> oh, man. That, that was... But um, some of the controversies throughout his career... Um, there was the whole booking thing, though. He wasn't the first wrestler to be Booker at the same time. There was Kevin Nash who did that without 
not without controversy. Well, there's um, worse people too, because you had like Vern Gagne uh, made his own son a champ who had no business being a son. Eric Watts, or uh, being a champ, Eric Watts is, <laughs> did that with his kid. That, that, that stuff always happened, and it was like almost a trope. Like, oh, here comes the owner and his son. <laughs> the Von yeah. Erics, that's another one. Um, and then there was the one of the incidents I was reading about when um, Ted Turner bought um, what would then become known as World Championship Wrestling. Um, the Road Warriors, you know, took a, you know, one of their spikes and jabbed it into, you know, Dusty's head and blood was gushing out and D- Rhodes was fired because of it. Wow. Um, because they were trying to not have blood or anything like that. And it's just like, I think it was during the Bill Watts era too, wasn't it? Oh, was that back when they were trying to be like super hardline, like good, uh, like rated G basically for kids and stuff. I, yeah, I know that, Watts made a p- bunch of bad decisions back then. And then again, Watts, if I recall, was the same person that introduced Harlem heat as like slaves pretty much. So he had his, he, he, he had his, uh, yeah, originally, uh, what was the, originally they were called Cain and Abel and they were let out by a Southern plantation owner character with chains and everything it was you you see a picture of it and you're like ooh <laughs> this was different times huh <laughs> that and i don't think watts realized exactly how controversial that was going to be and when everyone got mad he was like oh crap harlem heat huh we'll do that instead the who was the plant quote unquote plantation owner by the way Oh, it was, uh, crap. His name was, uh, let me look it up real quick here. Uh, was it Colonel Lee Parker? Because yeah, it, it was, was, it was, I couldn't remember his name because, in WWF. <laughs> because, because here's the ironic part about that. Harlem heat, um, later on in the beginning phases of NWO and all that, all of a sudden he winds up as a co-manager with sister Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is not making any sense to me. What the hell? Why, why is a Southern dude co-managing <laughs> a team that's allegedly from the rough streets of Harlem, New York? What the Which hell? In itself, isn't much better than them being, you know, that's just as much of a stereotype as them being brought to the ring with shackles and stuff. But at least it was <laughs> for that time, a little less ridiculous, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, but Watts was notorious for not really understanding his stuff pretty much from what this is, you know, I wasn't there, but I've read plenty of books and shoot interviews and stuff and people don't usually have much good to say about him. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm sure some good stuff came out of it, but when, when you have things like thou shalt not throw somebody over the top rope. Oh God, that was awful. <laughs> um, things like, you know, no mats on the outside of the, of the ring. To discourage like, people from jumping out and stuff, I'm assuming. And, and uh, so, Hey, you know, all these other groups that are 
doing it with, a little padding outside the ring, they're all a bunch of wussies. Ironically, uh, for a long time, ECW didn't do that either. Yeah. And, and uh, Joey Styles commented on that and 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 referred to the Athletic Commission of, uh, of New York City as a bunch of sissies, but... I love watching old wrestling matches from that period because I, I want to say that there was a match at a Starcade where uh, Ron Simmons lost the title or no, he, it was a match for the title, but he ended up not getting it because someone flipped, like threw themselves over the top rope and he got disqualified and not being used to those weird rules like that. I'm, I was watching it just like, what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and at, at least you eventually had somebody watching over WCW that knew that he didn't know a damn thing about pro wrestling. And then Eric Bischoff came in, but Bischoff marketed himself as a television guy, even though he actually had previous experience in the industry. And then from there, there things got better for a while. But as we all know, money will only solve so many problems yeah. So, but it, um, but Rhodes was, Rhodes was in a lot of, in a lot of, uh, a lot of companies and a lot of, a lot of, uh, he, I think he even was in TNA for a while too. Yeah. Uh, during the time when they had, uh, when they, they had a, a period where he was kind of like their head booker for a while and he, uh, TNA actually this past week after he died had a little clip and they it showed some of him being in there. That's one of those things a lot of people don't realize is he did disappear from WWE and everything for a while and he did he did his own thing. Yeah, Goldust was even in TNA for a little bit even though he was unfortunately looking rough at that point and he 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 looks really good now but man he did not look good at the time. Yeah. Um, and I, and I've noticed that, you know, the whole American dream thing kind of, there was, uh, you know, kind of a play on words throughout, you know, the years with the undertaker's American badass gimmick. Yeah. Um, even his son, Dustin Rhodes, when he went back to WCW for a while, uh, they tried to build him as the American nightmare. Oh yeah. Player. Which, 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 um, now that I think about that whole promo cracked me the hell up because, (laughs) you know, it it looked like, okay, here comes this cool looking Undertaker knockoff. Yeah. And then the, are you talking about when he was seven? Yeah. It was just like, it's like, you know, the whole spiel of, okay, no, we're not doing this. No, no, this is apparently. As far as I know, that was one of the most expensive like wrestling entrances ever, and it was that was actually supposed to be a character that was going to stick around. And you know, this character is called Seven. It, it, he would float to the ring and you know do all this other stuff. And they had like a this weird uh, like rope system that carried him in. Apparently, what happened is standards and practices at the time flipped out because of his promos where it showed him looking into the, he was supposed to be like Freddy Krueger or something. I don't quite understand what they were going with it. And he was like looking into the windows of little kids 
and they thought it had a really big pedophile vibe going with it, so they nixed the character. But since they had hyped it up so much, they had to have him do it at least once. That way they could kill it off right then. Similar thing happened they, right about that same time. They had a character named Berlin show up, and he was supposed to be like some kind of industrial German, you know, goth guy. He had Rammstein music. Well, Columbine happened the next day, and so immediately he turned into Rocky Four. They just went an entirely different direction with it and screwed it up. So they were re- really reactionary about that around that same time. Which Berlin was really Alex Wright. So yeah, there was just them re- trying to repackage Alex Wright. Which, oh my god, so <laughs> many companies, so many companies, so many storylines. Um, um, and I, you know, I, I'm kind of seeing Kevin Owens as as you know the American dream 3.0, except he's from Canada. Yeah. Which is ironic. Um, the, the guy that doesn't quite have the body, but has the ability. And although he's, he's more of a jerk now, but mainly because he's not in it to make friends, he's in it to make a living. They'll eventually turn him baby face. I mean, if you ever listen to him on podcasts and stuff, he's, he sounds like the coolest dude ever. Like his hobby is going to zoos. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you can't really have that guy be the biggest, you know, bad guy on the company for the whole time. Right. And, <laughs> but, um, Rhodes had an influence on him as well as many other people. And, and, you know, at some point I may, create some sort of fan video where there's a montage of memories and things like that from a lot of people. And, and, you know, to briefly touch upon it in light of like recent, you know, current events that were very, very tragic in South Carolina, you know, I thought to myself, wait a minute, uh, Rhodes is a perfect topic because Rhodes embodied that melting pot spirit you had you had plenty of conflict between different points of view from time to time, but he was still able to, you know, melt some stuff together and make it work. Well, and the the thing that always confused people about his gimmick is that he essentially was a you know a redneck, a big a big white dude that sometimes would wear a cowboy hat, but he talked like he was a black guy from up north, and that was the you know. For a while, he had his manager, Sapphire, you know, just kind of pushing that along. It was this whole, he was, he was the everyman. He was, but he wasn't just the everyman for white folks. He was the everyman for everybody. He was. Agreed. Um, I, I think it was kind of shattering a stereotype myth because, because frankly, there are people from the South who may not sound like they're from the South. Oh yeah, and and we kind of forget that, and we try to stereotype them, and then we try to stereotype people up north, east coast, west coast, Midwest, and say, oh well, you know that that you know that's that's classic Midwest or classic East Coast mentality or some <laughs> nonsense like that, and, and we we kind of forget that everybody is um, different to a degree you know similar but similarities abound but a little bit different and i'm like 
you know, the bionic elbow, you know, throwing a bionic elbow onto all of that, you know, is a thought I relish. Um, but uh, I'm definitely going to have to go back and watch some of his, some of his matches. I think he, he introduced Dustin Rhodes to the business, his son. And, yeah. and they, they even tagged in uh, WWE once. I still think one of the coolest things recently was they had a, a match and I honestly don't remember when it was. It might, it was, I don't think it was WrestleMania, but it was, uh, it was a couple years ago and they actually had, uh, cause Dusty Rhodes has two sons, you know, and he may have more kids that I'm not aware of, but he definitely has Dustin, which is gold dust who is in his forties. And he's got a much younger son. That's closer to our age. Who's Cody Rhodes. And he actually was able to be their manager for a match. And I thought that was really awesome. You know, a couple in there for a little while, you know, cause he never left when he finally did go back to WWE. Uh, he became one of the head bookers for NXT so he was there, you know, on the ground floor that whole time and, you know, helping out new people. And, you know, the fact that he had his, his two sons there who really didn't know each other when they were younger because of the age difference and everything, you know, everybody was just working as a family. It was awesome to watch. Oh, I, I agree. And I, I'm trying to remember what thought I was having, like, like Rhodes, Basically, for the majority of his life, was in that business. He even had a noted feud in ECW. The guy was practically everywhere. Yeah, and I th- I thought that was pretty cool, and I f- thought that was pretty cool that he had a match with um, Randy Orton. Um, yeah, Texas Bull- Bullhorn match or something like that. That was when he was the legend. Uh, Orton was doing the legend killer gimmick, wasn't it? Yeah. Where he and was challenging was like, people from the past. Oh yeah, I I liked, you know, I just liked reading about it, hearing about it, and now that I'm a subscriber to the network, I can actually go back and take a look at it. Although, although I will have my complaints about what they did to certain entrance themes. I understand why they did it. Yeah. ECW is uh, apparently is really hard to watch sometimes because they ECW when it first started was on TV. They were just like a local TV show. They used all licensed music. So you'll be watching like a match and all of a sudden they'll have a little promo where it's got this terrible elevator music in the background. And you know, it was probably like a Rob zombie song or something originally, but they can't, they don't have the rights to that. So it's like, you're like, Wow, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's one of the biggest uh, things ever. It would be really cool if all the if they had notes of all the um, all the music that was played, and then all of a sudden the artists just read into them, or you know the appropriate people say, you know what, don't worry about the royalties, just quit butchering this product. <laughs> They could even. It's, not- it's really hard to watch New Jack, especially because if you're familiar with him, his music plays during his his match. Because New Jack, all he would do is he would come out and beat the crap out of someone with weapons. That was all his gimmick was, and you know it would play uh, "Natural Born 
killers the entire time and they can't get the rights to that. So I don't know if, if they, uh, still, I haven't watched, tried to watch one of them in a while, but I need to go back and see, but I noticed that they, that happened with like an ECW, especially like they had cover songs of popular music, but rights issues and everything else. It just kind of, it makes it hard. Right. And, but you know, editing Diamond Dallas's pages entrance, I'm like, uh, thinking to myself, you do realize that they altered it just enough to where they couldn't get sued. So why are you altering it now? It might be uh, if it was some of the songs that Jimmy Hart owned for a while. Jimmy Hart wasn't working with WWE, so maybe they need to. Maybe it's something like that because there was a few uh, WCW had different companies that did the stuff and Jimmy Hart actually produced a lot of their music. So it might've been that situation because he was in TNA for a while back in like 2010. Right. I don't know if that's because I'm pretty sure he's there now because he hosts a show, I think on the network. So I don't know. (laughs) I mean, you know, a lot of it, I can understand why. And, and you, most of it, you can just get past the entrance promos and watch them at like Goldberg. They altered Does, to the modern they, they theme, which different music. Oh, they used sucks. as modern. No, they used as modern WWE theme, which makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a public domain song. You'll see Goldberg's theme on like World War II videos and stuff. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, what the? Uh, I don't, I don't understand their decision behind it. Maybe it'll change when Vince McMahon passes away. I don't know, but um, yeah. But um, but uh, just throughout the years, though, it's it's amazing, kind of seeing people come and go and being there for many years, and and now now that person, the influential figure who convinced DDP to go for the world championship and influenced others, is now gone. Um. And not not to mention, you know, you know the the. I like your thoughts on on the whole TMZ thing posting the nine one one call. Yeah, that was awful. I I I didn't bother listening to it. I, I figured. No, I I didn't want to even do it. That's that's rough. Um, because like, did they go too far? Well, and it's like it's it's kind of like what happened when Robin Williams died. Uh, at one point, there was like, like I can't. It, it was it might have been CNN because this sounds like something CNN would have done. Uh, they had a helicopter flying over his house and like you know here's Robin Williams's house and he's dead inside there and we're gonna find out blah 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 and it was like just in horrible taste. It's that, know, was, that was ABC by the way. I only remember ABC? because. Okay. Yeah, because of Maddox, I remember it was ABC, and and they eventually quit doing they quit doing that shortly after uh, public yeah. criticism. It's like um, it's one thing to, to you know want to break the news, like hey, we've learned that this person has passed away, but you can't go and like let's get a camera there and let's take you know there comes a point where we don't need to know. I don't want to know. It's it that's sad. And it's disrespectful. It's no worse than when people, you know, people get mad when the, uh, 
when like military funerals get picketed and stuff, that's basically what's going on. But since they're in the public eye, people are like, eh, it's cool. You know? It, and it's, it's not like, um, it's not like when I was, you know, pointing out how people were putting like, say Steve jobs on a pedestal. And I'm trying to remind people he was human too, like everybody else. And he had his faults. Um, and, people thought I was I was talking bad about a dead guy. No, it's you know, I didn't post a 911 call or anything like that. But you know, I I I've got my limits too and that was one of them and I read about that and I was like, "Oh, great." Cuz to me later on, like years down the road, that'd be one thing to throw something like that in a documentary, The Panic Boys. You know, he's fallen, he can't get up, and that sort of thing, and then fade into that and go back through the person's life and all of that. But shortly after, could be seen as in poor taste, too. I will hand it to the people that frequent the TMZ website. If you actually look up that article where they they post it, I'm not saying to do it, but, you know, I'm just going to skip the whole top part. But everyone just is, like, slamming them. You know, someone says... I wouldn't have put this out there. Privacy should be respected, even if the person taking the call wasn't the best. Good grief. This is more of a personal thing, I would think. You know, and these are people that go specifically to TMZ to read gossipy stuff, and they're kind of like, okay, this is in poor taste, guys, really? So Yeah. And and seriously, the they they note how the operator sounded annoyed and all that. Well, um seriously. Imagine what an operator deals with every day. And, oh, yeah. And that you're and not going to get that. the best people on those kind of jobs, I'd imagine. Because you would, you, you, you may have people call that line and say, hey, uh, I think aliens have landed or some stupid thing yeah. like that. So, so blame, kind of blaming the operator for not taking it ser- seriously they probably had a ton of calls as well. And that were probably absolutely ridiculous and was wasting their time. And they were probably trying to get through their shift. We don't know what was going on in that person's mind. Um, so don't know, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was the one thing that I thought was like, okay, we're celebrating their life. That's great. But, that that was taking it a bit too far. The one thing that I hope doesn't happen, and WWE is a much better company than it was when they used to do this kind of stuff. I'm really worried that the, they'll turn this into a storyline. I hope they don't, because they did that. If you recall, when Eddie Guerrero died, and as long as they, you know, they they could tone down, you know, Cody Rhodes's character or something, and have him all of a sudden, you know, rebrand himself or you know something like that, but. If they try to do an actual character out of it, I'm going to be kind of disappointed. But we'll see. Um, yeah, and who knows what's going to happen. Um, I don't know. It's. I will say it was cool to see the Rhodes brothers have a tag team title run. That was awesome. And all of that. That was that was that was pretty cool. Um, and it was kind of cool seeing the whole dynasty thing pop up and bam, there they are and all of that. 
And I'm definitely going to have to go back and watch some of those old matches because that, you know, that that was, you know, that, that proved that you don't have to be chiseled to be popular. You just have to know how to connect to people. Yeah. So, well, like in some of his best feuds that are that I would say probably would be his feud with Flair. And I, I know I haven't seen everything, but his feud with Flair was good. His uh, the stuff he did against uh, race was really good, and he even uh, if you want to go pretty far back, he had a feud with Dory Funk Jr. that was pretty decent. But you know, it, it's old wrestling, so it just kind of depends on what you're in the mood for. Because sometimes old like WWF for me and from the seventies is hard to watch, but it just kind of depends on you know. <laughs> what you're wanting to watch. Cause they still would do some awesome stuff. It's just, it was spread out. Right. Northern and, wrestling is a lot different than Southern wrestling, which is what I grew up kind of being into. So. Oh, absolutely. And definitely we'll have to take a look at some of his older stuff. Um, but I, I think that, uh, I think that was a very good episode. We just did. I do need what? to, I do need to update the feed on it so that uh, 85 will appear. But um, other than that, I think we're doing pretty good. It was good having you back, man. It was well, thank it's you. been a while. Yeah. Any Sometimes uh, I, I should be able to get on here. I don't know. My work's kind of crazy because I work um, more or less the opposite shift that you do. So it's kind of, well, I work like a mid shift more than like a, a day shift. So. <laughs> But right, and maybe one of these weekends or something get together on there. Yeah, because and and like I've discovered that every now and then I can definitely you know wake up a little early before I go in and and kind of do do something. So it's I'm like okay that that I can handle as long as it's not on a constant basis. But every now and then, kind of rotate it in and out because yeah. um, uh, Shaggy one of the things that he'd have, you know, you know, issues with is what are we going to talk about this week? And I, I can understand that too. And fortunately I've been able to go, Hey, here's something, um, you know, recently got into Python programming. Um, and of course I can, you know, talk about this, uh, new phone later down yeah. the road, L- ZTE lever, um, LTE, which now I'm like, now I'm like no longer as much of a Samsung fanboy as I used to be <laughs> after the, well, what happened. <laughs> um, so I dropped the Samsung phone, right? It, it, I, I bought a case for it to protect it. It didn't quite protect it like it should have. And mm-hmm. so the screen got cracked and the screen underneath, underneath got damaged and come to find out that replacing the screen I might as well buy a new phone because it wouldn't have been worth it. So oh, man. I got the, yeah, I got the whole replacement plan on it and everything else on this one. And I realized that after looking at these specs for basically it was, you know, other than, you know, big screen size and all of that, it was, it was, you know, slightly better than my galaxy S two. Actually, it was much better. Um, the only only thing I miss is, um, you know, ten plus megapixel camera, but this one's eight on the back. So, 
it's not going to be much different at all as long as you have something over like a five megapixel you can't really i mean i doubt you're going to be trying to take professional photos with that well and with a zoom lens and 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 honestly um there are attachments for smartphones now to where or hell you can take a pair of binoculars and it actually works apparently oh really (laughs) yeah yeah it's weird how how that works so um uh friend my attorney friend who is moving away from Holden going to Mississippi at some point. I think he's finally getting to the point where somebody's buying his old place. Um, I have another full blown system, actually two because of them. Um, he pointed out that, you know, a lot of those old uh, cameras with the glass lens, the body may not be worth anything, but you take the old lens off, put it onto the new digital cameras and they'll work just fine. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, so it's just all kinds of cool tricks you can learn. But anyway, I think this, I think this went really, really well. So oh, yeah, hope uh, to be back on sometime. So um, entertaining yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. Um, if you have any topics, suggestions, ideas, etc., um, you know, drop us a line, um, 660 660- Four seven four zero three four five. Leave a voice message. Um, you can actually text that number too, and we'll get it. And you could very well wind up on a future episode of the podcast, and, unless you're like, "Don't leave, don't just hear us out." And we can do that too. But um, I'll be updating the website a little bit more, and everything else in the near future. It's just you know, work's been kind of busy and things like that, and. Believe it or not, I'm still kind of settling in. I now own a real mattress, for example, because my airbed kind of popped just by <laughs> turning. So um, I still got to get stuff settled in. So um, until next time, peace. See ya. <laughs>